the quantum mechanics. Yes, we're the quantum mechanics. We're the paranormal podcast for the believers, the doubters, and everyone in between. Um, paranormal weather, Ben. Hey, yes. I was thinking, considering certainly what parts of the UK have experienced this week, I thought it's just got to be release the kraken. Ah, uh, <laughs> God, yes. Oh. And I think some people have had it a lot worse than us. Yeah, exactly. I hope um, if you, I hope everyone's uh, stayed as safe as they can do, and everybody's okay. Because yeah, we, we, the amount of rain, especially I think in Scotland and the north of England, was just absolutely intense, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. I was speaking to um, some family in Suffolk yesterday. Apparently, some of their roads are closed and. Yeah, it looks pretty bad. Yep, yep. So the Kraken was definitely released. Um, we've got a couple of patrons, new patrons, to thank this month, which is really great. So um, thank you to Amy Munro and Susan Clark for joining our Patreon programme. Um, we really appreciate it. It's amazing. Thank you so much for that. Thank you. Although you have bucked the trend by having names that we can <laughs> pronounce. Normally on this show, we like names that are completely impossible. Yeah, so Yeah, no, that's that, That's good. <laughs> you give and, us an easy ride. And actually, uh, in our next podcast that we do after this one, um, that's our Halloween special. So there'll be some, uh, we'll, we'll have some video on Patreon for that. Yes, we will. We will. <laughs> I, I was at the edit suite yesterday working on the video. It's um, it's really hard when you see yourself on camera, but um, we'll definitely have that up there. Maybe the day before Halloween or on Halloween itself. So uh, for the patrons out there, keep an eye out for that, for the video we did when we spent the night at the Swan, one of the most haunted locations apparently in the country. So, uh, yeah, it was really good fun. So uh, the podcast, we'll do a podcast version and we're going to do a video version as well. So um, if you go to Patreon, you'll be able to check that out um, just in time for Halloween. That's lovely because we, we were saying a while ago we hadn't planned anything for Halloween and it turns out we've sort of overplanned and <laughs> we've been incredible this year yeah yeah i when when we said that i was not expecting a whole film crew i mean that's the thing about that video i don't want to over egg it but we did have a film crew which um yeah and we were joined by um some friends of ours james from the lawmen was there trudy who uh owned the pub or ran the pub that um runs the pub that we started recording in so yeah those some familiar faces some new people it's definitely worth checking out and um, the other thing i wanted to say um we're not going to do a uh, sherlock tulpa update this week and i know there are a load of messages that people have sent us this week but yeah we've been editing that video and also ben You've uh, you got COVID. You've just got over it, right? <laughs> I did. I went camping and came back with COVID. <laughs> That'll teach you. Oh, it's well, it's a it's a bit of a bugger. I tell you that much. Um, this is this is the first day I haven't had a line. So, <laughs> I think we should maybe clarify that on the test. <laughs> a line on my test. That's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, the first day I haven't had a line on my test for for a week. Yeah, so he's so Ben is all clear, but you can probably tell he's still recovering a bit, and uh, he's bravely going to do an episode this week. So if he's a bit coffee and spluttery, please forgive him. I probably will be a bit coffee and spluttery. I do apologise. Cool. Well, um, what you got for us? Well. I was driving back from Devon and pondering to myself, what does it taste like if you suck a goat? 
one of those, you know, it's one of those questions you always think about, isn't it? I wanted to do the Chupacabra, and for a while I've been thinking, you know how we never do things that everybody else does, because quite often they've spent, you know, quite a long time researching it, and you end up uncovering the same stuff. But I don't think people have touched the Chupacabra for a long while. And when I delved into it, there is actually quite a lot more going on than I had first imagined. So do you know what one is? I I have I have this these are the things that people see often you see video footage of people driving, right? And they come yeah. across this strange creature. I so I believe I've seen videos don't know if uh, they've been uh, set up or not of just somebody driving down a dark road and then there's this strange creature in front of them. That's a video I seem to remember. Right, right. So it's really sort of um, the Puerto Rico area and elements of southwestern US. And it is variously described as sort of reptilian with spikes down its back. Right. Or sometimes like a big dog. The big dog references usually come in from southwestern US. And it is usually regarded as a creature of folklore. But is it? Is it? That's what I wanted to find out. Is that what we're going to find out today? Yes. Excellent. So I I found um, this guy who has written a very interesting introduction to it, which kind of sums up the whole thing, because I hadn't really sort of put it into the category of vampire. Of course it it is, but it hadn't really uh, occurred to me that it was, because he says the Chupacabra has only recently joined the vampire in the uh, bestiary (laughs) of blood-sucking creatures. Um, Chupacabras were first reported in 1995, he says. Well, Stay tuned, because that is and is not correct in different ways. Right. So, so is he? Uh, this is this is a very basic way of describing it. If you look at a creature's uh, genre, <laughs> this in in cryptozoological terms, is he saying it's in the same column as vampires? Yes. Right. Yes. And it's blamed for attacks on goats, sheep, domestic animals. And it supposedly leaves uneaten carcasses that are drained of blood. Right. Early reports, and this is what I had remembered, described a creature that stood upright and resembled a large reptilian kangaroo with red eyes. Yeah, the kangaroo was going through my mind when you mentioned it. I I hadn't really associated it with the reptilian thing, so that's interesting. No actual specimens were found, and sceptics suggest that witnesses, in inverted commas, may have been influenced by the Hollywood sci-fi film Species in 1995, which contains a monster of similar appearance. Ah, And, And there is a book which basically lays the entire blame for the chupacabra phenomena at the foot of the film Species. Uh, but, but Species was quite humanoid. Uh, is it supposed to be as humanoid as that? No, but the way... You know how it sort of transforms into... It's kind of got that stickly back. Yes, yes, it's, yeah, yeah. It's be- And it's sort of hunched. Yeah, I got yeah, it. yeah, it's that, basically. Right. Um, but uh, other sightings reported throughout the Americas report a different type of chupacabra, as I alluded to. These are smaller and stand upon four feet. They generally canine in appearance, but hairless. Now, this is this is where we sort of start the, um, the controversy, because actual specimens were produced, but they were identified by biologists as coyotes, dogs, or canine hybrids. And the... Um, thanks, COVID. 
The animals owed their strange appearance to hair loss resulting from mange. Ah. So, you know, that's an infestation by a mite. Yeah, so uh, so people have seen a mangy dog and thought, oh my God, there's a hairless dog, it's something weird. Right, and the reason why they are attacking livestock rather than, um, you, you know, other wild animals that they might be able to hunt down is because they are debilitated by the effects of this disease. That's right. the theory. right. But before we go into that, Princeton University has a very handy timeline Ooh. on the Chupacabra. I love the. I just love when universities do this. So somebody has sat there and gone, you know what I need to do? I need to do a timeline on the Chupacabra. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm on it. <laughs> so this is why I said 1995 is and isn't, because... In the mid-1970s, there there's documentation in the Rio Grande Valley in South Texas of sightings of what may have been a condor linked to a rash of mutilated cattle. Blood was removed to the last drop. Condor being a bird, right? Yes, yes. and That's a bit of a leap. Right, and that's why this author is saying 1995, and with the, the date 1995 does come up. Right. But that's weird, isn't it? That a is bird... Strange. But then, early 1970s, Brownsville, Texas, a rancher finds a dead bull. No blood around it, no tracks. What does this remind you of? Yeah, this is um, very skinwalkery and very UFO-y. And a strange harvest, the Lyndon Moulton Howe yeah. film about cattle mutilations. Yeah, yeah. If you aren't familiar with the cattle mutilation phenomena... This kind of plays part of the story, but let me play you this little segment from a contemporary news article at the time. One of the weirdest activities attributed to aliens is the bizarre mutilation of animals. Scattered stories of carved-up livestock and strange lights in the sky date back to the 1890s in the U.S., but it wasn't until the early 1970s that a pattern began to emerge. A mutilation explosion rocked Midwestern, then Western states. Then, as now, the main targets were cows, although horses, deer, pigs, goats, and other animals have received similar treatment. Today, nearly 15,000 mutilation reports have been received. And those cattle mutilations, I think that has entered the sort of common parlance. I mean, it is in the first ever episode of South Park. Yeah. And... Uh, it was in many, many, many episodes of The X-Files. And it hasn't really stopped. Um, this is something I found from a newspaper. It's a, a British newspaper, but it's reporting from America in May this year. The cow-killing spree is happening in Madsen, Brazo and Robertson counties, all located in east-central Texas. Each cow was from a different pasture and herd. A straight, clean cut with apparent precision had been made to remove the hide around the cow's mouth on one side, leaving the meat under the removed hide untouched. This is the Madison County Sheriff's right. Office. On two of the five cows, a circular cut was made removing the anus and external genitalia. This circular cut was made with the same precision as the cuts noted around the jawlines of each cow. So still happening. And still, still happening. That's recent, because I hadn't heard recent cases but they do follow that theme don't they there's something about the way the cattle is cut that looks more precise than a kind of random killing and yeah this this removal of kind of 
skin and items is really strange, isn't it? Because it's almost surgical, isn't it? It is. And this is where, again, the debate on the chupacabra comes in because some people say it is nothing but normal scavenger-like behaviour and prey-like behaviour from a predator, and others say, no, it isn't. And that is going to come up later. But I just wanted to highlight that there's this similarity... Then in 1994, now this I couldn't get any more information about, but it's the best quote I found in here. In Puerto Rico, four or six, not five, (laughs) four or six, little greys were found under a bed and chased out of the house with a broom. As in grey aliens? Well... That's all I've got to go Little on. Little greys. Sounds like it, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? But not really... I love the fact that I'm going to get a broom. There's aliens. <laughs> <laughs> they, those aliens must go, we've got nothing to fear from these people. <laughs> all, all they've got to defend against us is a bristly brush. <laughs> don't you try and clean me up. Yeah. Then, you see, I don't know why that is on the Chupacabra timeline, but anyway, March 11th, 1995... Eight sheep are found dead. The animals had three strange marks or puncture holes in the chest and were described as completely drained of blood. Right. It's, yeah. So so in some ways, so this is the university timeline, is it? Yes. So, so I guess by implication they're making some link with some alien, you know, are, are these kind of creatures you know when we talked about alien pets <laughs> oh yeah are, yeah. They, are they kind of alien pets that go well they haven't eaten we've been traveling around the universe for bloody ages let them out for a run they can have they can have a bite to eat is, is that, <laughs> that could be one of what's going yes, on it could be, yes. <laughs> just like letting your dog have a wee when you're on a car drive <laughs> <laughs> just don't get under that bed yeah Okay, yeah, later in that year, in August 95, again in Puerto Rico, a chupacabra is blamed for the death of about 150 animals. Wow. Do we know the um, timeline of that? Because that's a lot of animals. That's just a report in August 95. Right, right. But then it goes on November 95. uh, The same animal is blamed for the deaths of turkeys, rabbits, goats, cats, dogs, and even horses and cows. Uh, it is said to have ripped open the bedroom window of a house in the north-central city of Carguas, destroyed a stuffed teddy bear and left a puddle of slime and a piece of rancid white meat on the windowsill. It had hairy white arms and huge red eyes. In another attack, it came at about 7am <laughs> and the witness said it just showed up and poof, it vanished. <laughs> so these ones hairy. So, hairy, so These yes. are different. So. yes. We've either got... The red eyes, though. Yeah, the red eyes. We've got the hairy... I must admit, the hairy ones are the ones that I kind of thought they were. Your your reptilian thing has slightly thrown me a bit, but um, d- does that um, university timeline go into any of this kind of reptilian versus hairy debate? No, no, but I've got something that does okay. afterwards. But all of the next reports, there's one that comes out. These are all 95 now. Um, one where... Uh, a monkey-like creature comes out of the brush and attacks the family dog. Right. It's about four feet tall, and as I say, it looks like a monkey. Um, unusual bloodless deaths of chickens and cows. Several caged rabbits found dead with holes in the neck without a drop of blood. When you say without a drop of blood, you're meaning drained of blood, are you? Drained of blood, yeah, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, this is the one that's interesting. 
Animals died as the result of a single puncture mark found on some part of the body which had apparently drained them of blood. One photo shows a Siamese cat with a puncture mark through its skull. This is going to come up again later. And it, uh, uh, again, is there, maybe we don't, you don't have this information, but are there um, natural animals that could do that? Or is, that, is there no animal that would drain something that size of all its blood? Well, you see, somebody puts forward the, the idea that um, giant vampire bats are arriving on cargo shipments. Right. And uh, they're coming from South America. Um, sorry, they're coming into South America. But there's no giant vampire bat that does that to an animal. Right, that's no, why. Yeah, that's no. why I was, yeah. I mean, vampire bats, just to put it in context, they're small. You know, they're probably bigger than the bats we have here. They're definitely bigger than the bats we have here. They're small. And they just go and take a little bit of blood from cattle, usually, or donkeys or horses. And they have... Um, uh, an anticoagulant and an anaesthetic, so the animal doesn't know that it's being drained. It does carry diseases, but it is harmless. The, the, the incision itself is harmless. It do, a bat does not drink an entire cow dry. Yeah, yeah. I told you my bat story, haven't I? No. I was in. Um, I was on holiday in Sri Lanka. I had a really long day. It's really hot and kind of humid, and uh, I got back to the hotel. I was in the garden. I ordered a nice ice cold beer. And I had it right in front of me, and I was just lifting it to my mouth, and a bat flew over and pooped in it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> come on! Bat guano terrifies me. Yeah, well, so you can get all sorts from that. Yeah, exactly. I didn't drink it. <laughs> <laughs> just you know what you paid for. Just yeah, carry on. Yeah. Anyway, these carry on. There are millions of. I'm exaggerating. There are tens of reports like this where. There are very peculiar holes. Again, I'll read, wounds resemble quarter-inch holes similar to a biopsy puncture that extended completely through the muscle tissue. That's in a goat. Um, uh, several heifers are found completely skinned and the skin is missing. The, the only thing I'm thinking with this, Ben, is there's a lot of variation going on here in terms of appearance. There's a lot of variation here in terms of MO, you know what I mean? I, you know, so you've got these carcasses that have been drained of blood almost mysteriously with a little hole that you can find. But then on the other hand, you've got this kind of stripping of skin and taking away of organs. Very different behaviour for an animal, It's right? very different behaviour, yes, yes. I think the point is that none of it appears to be um, predatory. Unless, and that's why we keep going back to the vampire. yeah. But then these cows that are mutilated, as in the Linda Moulton Howe cases, they are quite often take all the, the the blood has gone. Right. What I thought would be interesting is uh, from the following year, I found this report from the St. Petersburg Times. And I just pray see it because it sort of gives you uh, an eyewitness account of what happens at one of these scenes. So this reporter, David Adams, reporting, as I say, March 21st, 1996, when police arrived at the crime scene, they had never seen such carnage. Lifeless victims, 69 in all, strew, lay strewn across the yards of two families in Sweetwater, a heavily Hispanic neighbourhood in South Miami. But it was a Miami massacre with a difference. A case, perhaps, and this ages it brilliantly, for Ace Ventura, pet detective. Oh. Uh, and yeah. also, 
doesn't that tell you about what the journalists are thinking about this? Instantly going to the comedy. Yeah, yeah. The victims are all animals. Goats, chickens, geese and ducks. Who or what could have done such a dastardly thing? The killer, say police and a local zoologist, was a large dog. Wrong, say local residents. It was the chupacabra. One Sweetwater woman claims to have seen it, and there have been alleged chupacabra attacks in other parts of Miami. The beast has developed a large following in Latino communities along the United States and New Jersey to California. Authorities are taking the killing seriously up to a point. A specialist has investigated the deaths and a county commissioner has called for a police inquest. It's mushroomed way out of proportion, says Ron McGill, assistant curator of Metro Dade Zoo. Last week, English language radio got in on the act when the popular station Y100 ran a week-long search for the chupacabra, offering a $1,000 prize for a real photo of the creature. The station made its own mock effort, sending a reporter to the Sweetwater Woods dressed in a goat costume. This ain't too different to yeah. what we were talking about with the um, werewolf, is it? No, it's also, yeah, it's, and, and you're right to highlight that um, that media approach of, you know, people dressing up. It's reminded me of the Phoenix Lights as well. You know, yes. with the mayor kind of getting his assistant to dress up as an alien and interviewing him. It's, it is the classic approach to those kind of stories, isn't it? You see, it is. And the other thing, the, there's later on in the report, um, one of the police officers says, folk monster tales are hard to combat with rational explanations. He's basically blaming the, um, uh, the Afro-Caribbean cultural and religious beliefs that involve animal sacrifices and blood rituals right. on this. And it's like... What, like almost like some kind of uh, uh, almost voodoo-esque yeah. treatment of But it. it's also quite racist. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. it's completely ignoring the views of the locals and basically looking down upon them. You know, silly people with their, their own beliefs. But it's also in the... I mean, I haven't read the whole article, so maybe I'm being unfair to it, but it also made me think the example you gave of, you know, hundreds of, or whatever, a whole bunch of animals killed and them saying, well, it has to be a dog then. But there does, didn't seem to be any rigour of actually could a dog do that and how would it do that? It's almost like you've got to leap to that obvious conclusion. So, so more rigour may go into disproving the fact that it's this cryptid than actually proving, well, what it was. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And throughout that report, uh, this reporter gets a... Um, he does speak to another zoologist who claims, no, the animals were full of blood. And he does right. bring up an idea that dogs don't kill for food. They kill for fun. That's why... That's why so many. That's why there's so many right. and nothing's been eaten. Right. But if they do that... I'm pretty sure they don't hide the animals, as in strip them of their hide for fun. Mm, yeah. That isn't how they work. Yeah. So <clears throat> this then turns into a sort of the theories start going wild. That attempts to put it to bed, a zoologist saying, it's all these people's strange beliefs in, uh, you know, vampires, blood rituals. Right. Uh, other people start to, I guess... Not construct, but develop conspiracy theories. The Animal Resource Centre 
of the Comparative Medicine, as it's called, ARC, uh, is the animal research facility at the Medical Sciences Campus in the University of Puerto Rico. It is responsible for the care and husbandry of laboratory animals used in education, testing and biomedical research. You can imagine right. that people are saying, right, these are escaped creatures oh. from that facility. Right. And it wouldn't be the first time because there's the Plum Island Animal Disease Centre, which closed down recently, yeah. which was uh, the US's most important lab for combating infectious animal diseases. That has also been blamed for creating chimera-type beasts. Right, so so either just kind of weird, almost horror movie experimentation Correct. or military uses of animals and all that kind of stuff, create this weird hybrid creature, oops, it's got out. Yeah, I mean, it's the plot of many a, many a movie, isn't it? 28 Days Later, all that kind of stuff, yeah. Yes, exactly, exactly. And with that in mind... That idea of people thinking, well, maybe it's a real animal which has earthly origins. Another reporter goes out. This guy is called George Martin this time. Worked right up after he produced the Beatles, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> this guy's with a J. He's the editor of Ovni Evidencia, which is kind of like a, um, uh, I guess, and it's, I guess it's like a 14 Times type magazine. Right. And he writes, the director of Puerto Rico's Department of Agriculture Veterinary Services Division, Hector Garcia, has stated, it could be dogs that the small puncture wounds observed in the victim's necks are similar to those inflicted by the fangs of canines. He also stated that no other unusual features have been observed in the dead animals ex examined by his division, and this excluded no loss of blood. Veterinarian Angel, Angel Louis Santana... Well done of the private Gardenville Clinic in San Juan, said it could be a human being who belongs to a religious sect or even another animal. It could be somebody who makes the, wants to make fun out of the Puerto Rican people. However, the facts tell a very different story. The dead animals and the ones he is, this is the ones the reporter has examined, have been found with many small, perfect circular holes around one quarter to one half inch in diameter, Remember, that goes back to what we were reading earlier in the uh, university timeline. Yeah. Uh, in diameter, arranged in pairs in triangular fashion. These penetrate deep into the neck and lower jaws of the victims. Dr. Carlos Soto, a qualified veterinarian, states that the wounds have a regular pattern in many of the cases, sometimes cutting straight into the brain, more specifically direct directly into the cerebellum, puncturing it and causing instant death to the animal. This regular type of wound and the path followed by whatever intrudes into the body indicates premeditation and intelligence. It's basically, it's trying to kill the animal as quickly as possible in the same fashion. Right, whereas, it's weird actually, because when you were talking about neck bite marks, I was thinking, that is pretty standard predator behaviour, isn't it? That, you know, you think about uh, big cats in Africa or whatever, they'll go for that region because yes. they know it's a quick kill. Yes. But yeah, it's a different thing going, I'm going to go for the brain. Is That's different, right? Absolutely. Well, he goes on to say, official research fails to explain the following. If a dog or any known animal predator bites to kill a victim, it must first exert pressure on both sides of the head, neck or body. 
In the Chupacabra's case files, no trauma, abrasions, scratches, bites or pressure have been observed by the examiners on the opposite side of the wound. And as such, it becomes obvious we are not dealing with an ordinary predator, carnivore species, known to science. The wounds may be similar in appearance to bites inflicted by dogs or baboons. Dogs or baboons? I don't know how we got to baboons. <laughs> we're all due- over the place here. <laughs> to be fair, people were blaming baboons. Right. Um, due to them being round and small, but the similarity ends there. Government officers and veterinarians that have followed the official line or policy statements have often refused to reveal data about the wounds. That's interesting. Because I was thinking if you have, effectively, earlier in that article he was talking about consistent bite marks. If you've got bite marks, you kind of think, well, surely they must be able to recreate what's created that bite. Yes. But it sounds like the data's not released to do that, which does sound weird considering it's such a debate. Yeah, I mean, the way that he's describing that, I mean, what they're obviously saying is that a dog has two jaws as a baboon and you need to push down with one whilst pushing, you know, up with the other. Yeah. And this only has the one wound. Right. So it's like it's pushing in. I I know this is, I'm not saying it looks like this, but that it's almost like a snake bite in that sense. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where it pushes down with the top jaw, but doesn't necessarily, you know what I mean? It's like a puncher in. Yeah, interesting. Um, he also follows this up by saying in most cases the victims lack uh, rigor mortis and remain flexible days after their death. Uh, incredibly, some incidents, the blood which remained in the body would not clot or coagulate for several days following death. Again, you think they'd be able to test why that was the case. Surely you do yes. some kind of toxicology test to say, ah, oh, it's got this thing in it which stops it. Surely they would have done that. You see, yes, you're right. Um the only problem with this person's account... Yeah. He made it up? <laughs> no, no, he didn't make it up. Um, it's that it's... Where it uh, is seems to be factual, and I'm sure it is factual, this next bit seems a bit fanciful. Okay. Many of the killings are associated with strange creatures we have called... Anomalous biological entities, ABEs. We know that term. We use that quite regularly now. It is reportedly a cross between a creature known as a grey alien humanoid, mainly because of the shape of its head and eyes, and what most witnesses describe as the body of a bipedal erect dinosaur with no tail. (laughs) Um, He's jumped the shark there, hasn't he? He jumped the shark. (laughs) Its head is oval in shape and has an elongated jaw. Two elongated red eyes have been reported, together with small holes in the nostril area. A small slit-like mouth with fang-type teeth protruding upwards and downwards from the jaw. Other witnesses have seen small pointed ears, but this feature has not been seen by other witnesses. It appears to have strong coarse hair all over its body, and whilst most observers claim the hair is black, it it has the remarkable ability to change colours at will like a chameleon. Now, that is a hell of a lot of detail that he's got out of there. It's a hell of a lot of detail, and I... He's making assumptions about what it is and where it's coming from. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to lead with a... Well, it's definitely a cross between a grey alien and something else. That's that's a huge leap, isn't it? I think so. I mean, he then also says a number of witnesses claim the creature flaps uh, at incredible speed. Its tail and appendages, whatever, whatever appendages <laughs> it's flapping, allowing it to actually fly. The tail apparently is used to guide its flight only, controlled mainly by the winds... Now, 
He's. <laughs> he know that. How do you know, George? How do you know? But also, it's back. It's back to where we started. So, it's a reptilian furry that now flies. It bites with the top of its jaw, not the bottom of its jaw. Its head is like a grey alien. If it's not looking like a a, a, a reptile, it's a chameleon as well. And now it's able to flap and glide and fly. <sighs> Well, he also says. Okay. He also says that it's been brought to his attention that at least two of these creatures have been captured by government officers from the U.S. federal government and the Puerto Rico government. They were captured before the sixth and seventh of November. One of them in the town of San Lorenzo. Both are alive and allegedly taken to the United States. Our government keeps denying the facts, yet our people perceive what they are being lied to. And it's probably due to the fact that the incidents are associated with UFOs and the government continues to cover up the facts. Right. So, so look, but, this but is it, not But if you go with that, okay, let's... let's. I agree, there seems to be problems with that account. But if you went with it, it does feed into two of the theories you've mentioned... Some kind of alien connection. I could see why then, if somebody did capture one of these things, the the military or the, you know the U.S. government would want to take it away and a not admit to it, but also study it. Or it does also fit into that th- almost conspiracy of it is some animal that's been experimented on and escaped. And they again, they don't want to admit to that. But I can't see any other reason why they would keep it quiet. You'd just go, oh, my God, we found this species that we never knew existed, wouldn't you? Completely. I mean, he. this is the reason I followed on with that. this on the last one, because he does say we cannot discard the possibility that the ABEs can be the product of highly sophisticated genetic mutilation uh, manipulation right. by human agencies, and then goes on to quote a Chinese-Russian scientist. But, yes, like, I think... What he's doing is coming at it, coming at the problem from the direct other end of the scale, where he's saying, "Oh, it is definitely these peculiar creatures," and and then offers no real evidence around. He offers quotes from vets around the puncture holes, but we have, as you say, no evidence about the blood, no evidence about the rigor mortis, no evidence that an animal has been captured, no real evidence that all of the sightings agree with one another, even if he talks about the ears being present and not present. And then when we start going into the flight capabilities of them, he's sort of lost me in the room there. Yeah, well, you know, yeah, exactly. He's got no evidence of all the kind of, let's call it the more logical stuff, but the the more uh, flamboyant theories just seem to flow. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it is weird, though, because this is a strange kind of thing, I'm going to say. While you were talking about the ears, what was going through my mind was the Broadhaven UFO incident. Oh, mm-hmm. You know, with the school kids who saw the UFO yes. and then their teacher asked them to draw it. A lot of them drew a creature that had kind of big ears, didn't they? Kind well, of they al- did. Almost bat-like ears from my memory. That's right. I'm did. not saying there's any connection, but it did make me think of that while you were, were talking about the ears. That's right. You're absolutely right. Yes, I hadn't I hadn't um, thought about that. Yes, you're correct. Um, so he does he does try to give us a bit more evidence and I'm not going to go through it all because it really does 
he gets a bit much, but he does say that he obtained blood samples allegedly from one of the creatures, which was discovered after it jumped over a fence and tripped. <laughs> Poor thing. Um, and some more blood from after a policeman shot one of the creatures um, whilst it was fleeing. The He said, we took the blood for DNA analysis and the first sample was had similar characteristics to that of human uh, A-type blood with an RH factor. So it's basically human. Um, the other blood contained E. coli bacteria and other parasites, like it had been infected with feces and um, vegetal cellular material. So basically, um, it looks like it came from uh, bleeding uh, intestines. That's that's right. what you would explain from that. But surely if they... I mean, maybe you'll come on to this, but surely if they've got blood, they can do a full DNA sample and go, it's a dog, it's of that species, but he, he doesn't really go into that. He doesn't go, oh, it's no species that's known... You know what I mean? It seems weird that he's gone into that much detail but not yeah. done a breakdown of, well, it it's in this column or... No, it's no, it's non-human. He would know that, wouldn't he, if he had the blood? Well, you're right. He says sample three is in no way compatible with human blood or any animal species okay. known to science. But again, there's no. We're only there's no um, there's no university who said they've tested it. Right. There's no lab that says yes. He says it's got high levels of magnesium and phosphorus and potassium. But um, because if that was true, he would have in his hands. Evidence of alien life, wouldn't he? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Or evidence of um, government tampering. Yeah. So I do think that we sort of have to... I, re- I, I want to present both sides of it, but that side is... I do think it's difficult. But I will say I think the other side is also equally difficult right. because... I found this report from the British press last year, and I quite—I've just taken a little section of it. Um, Flesh and blood chupacabras have allegedly been found as recently as June, making the monsters eminently more accessible for human study than, say, the Loch Ness monster. Here we go again. You see definitely that connection. Yeah, it's almost almost tongue in cheek, isn't it? Totally. Yeah. In almost all these cases, the monsters have turned out to be coyotes suffering from mange. Yeah, mange. Um, For some scientists, the explanation for supposed chupacabras is sufficient. I don't think we need to look any further or to think that there's any other explanation for these observations, says Barry O'Connor, a University of Michigan entomologist who who has studies the the parasite that causes mange. So basically... um, this is this was I don't even know what this piece was doing. It said it was out in time for Halloween, so it was published this time last year. Right. It's basically a hit piece on anyone that is suggesting that chupacabras are anything other than coyotes, coyotes with mange. Exactly. And uh, I don't know much about mange, but um, thankfully. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, I was relying on you to bring all the mange knowledge to this. Yeah, yeah that was my role, wasn't it? <laughs> um, uh, I was, I wonder if there's any kind of, I was thinking about rabies, you know what I mean? That can make the animal behave in a random kind of almost, uh, what's the word? Aggressive, Mm -hmm. 
way. I, is there a similar things with mange or mange? Uh, only that I don't think it affects the brain. It just affects their ability to hunt because right. Um, it's a fairly debilitating. I mean, it's it's parasites living on the skin. It's pretty horrible. Yeah. So so it's they, scabies basically. Yeah. So they could the animals could become desperate, disorientated, aggressive. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm just thinking about the examples that we've had of them going into a yard or a farm or whatever and killing multiple animals in one go. Do you know what I mean? Yes. It's almost, yes. There could be if we go with the coyote theory. That could happen and their behaviour is not atypical because they are in such a state with the parasitic infection that they've got in mange. Yes, exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. And, and you know, that is that is why that um, vet there in that piece says that is what it is. Right. It's just that. Um, but just to add to that mainstream news, this is from this year from the Daily Star, uh, the British publication... Hunters claim to have shot dead a chupacabra ghost, goat sucker in a rainforest and it has human-like hands. Um, reports of a group of men have now claimed that they gunned down... <laughs> gunned down? I mean, shot. <laughs> in a forest in uh, Guaya Lopez de Laguna near Sao Paulo in Brazil. Footage shared online by hunters show the dead creature which appears to have human-like hands and razor-sharp teeth. Its body... Meanwhile, it's said to be roughly the size of a large monkey. Right. And his hands look like that of a large monkey. And it looks like a large monkey. <laughs> right. Um, so they, they, they recovered this thing. It didn't get taken away. And, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, so basically it's... Um, Skeptics said, look, you've, what you've got there, mate, is the decomposing body of a howler monkey. Right, right. And uh, the hunters went, no... No, we haven't. And basically, the the long and short of that report is the hunters refused to hand over the corpse. Right, right. And everybody went, that's because that's a howler monkey that you've got there. You know when they're getting specific of the type of monkey that you're probably onto something, right? <laughs> yes. I love the fact that you admitted that it had hands like a howler monkey and was the same size as a howler monkey. <laughs> but it's not a howler monkey. But it's monkey. not a howler monkey that's been dead for five days. The picture of it looks like... A howler monkey? <laughs> it looks like a long dead howler monkey, right, I'm afraid. Right, right. Um, it's slightly upsetting, but yeah. that is what it looks like. Yeah. Um, but, you see, when it all comes down to it, I wonder whether what we've got is... I, I think the phenomena of cattle mutilations is very mysterious, and it cannot yeah. be put down to... Um, animals with mange, mange specifically mangy coyotes, mange, no. mange coyotes but somebody who was writing about the chupacabra and in fact wrote a sorry book that would be it. a different cartoon wouldn't it the mangy coyote <laughs> <laughs> rather depressing cartoon <laughs> i know it's really sad when you watch them it's really sad when you see them being rescued because mm. they're they're in a terrible state yeah but there was um, one of the one of the authors who has written an entire book about the chupacabra, and does lay some of the blame at the foot of the film species. Also points to this rather interesting article about how decomposing bodies in the 1720s gave birth to the first vampire panic, and mm. he sort of says, "I think we've got something of a panic here around the chupacabra, 
But basically, to precede this article, in 1721, London curate Thomas Lewis, concerned about the stink of decomposing flesh seeping from overstuffed tombs into his church, published a pamphlet... <laughs> of course it's the seasonable considerations on the indecent and dangerous custom of burying in churches and churchyards that's the kind of pamphlet we like on this clickbait <laughs> clickbait <laughs> yeah, thomas yeah. lewis yeah the noxious vapors he believed desecrated the space dis- um distracting his congregation from p- prayer lewis claimed that the odors also caused diseases like plague smallpox and dysentery Lewis's view of the dead as dangerous to the living was based in contemporary scientific thinking, which in the 1720s hadn't quite broken free of medieval superstition. A few years earlier, on the other side of Europe, in the village of Kisilevo, on the outskirts of... I like to go blah, 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 in the middle. In the village of On the outskirts of the Habsburg Empire, locals similarly blamed a corpse for spreading disease but via a radically different method of transmission. In July 1725, they summoned the Cameral Provisor, a health and safety official. Provisor Fromball's usual concern in such situations was identifying the cause of cluster of cases of a full-blown epidemic. The villagers believed that Peter... Right, I can't say this man's name. He's called Peter... Blagojevic. Blagojevic. That's good. It's got lots of accents on it, so I don't even know how you pronounce it. I'm going to say Blagojevic. Yeah. (laughs) Who had died ten weeks earlier, was up and out of his grave and bringing death to their homes. His widow claimed her husband... life. ...claimed her husband knocked on her door after the funeral, demanding his shoes before (laughs) attempting to strangle her. She also claimed he remained active over the next nine nights and was witnessed attacking nine more villagers. On waking, each victim again reported Blagojevic had laid himself upon them and throttled them. After suffering a mysterious 24-hour illness, they all died. I tell you what, it's it's interesting that, isn't it, in terms of... Because I love the way you tied that in with the uh, the guy at his church, kind of, you know, going, Look, hey, these, this overloading of the tombs is creating these fumes, making these people ill. What's interesting in that account is if you were going to try and get something done about that kind of problem, in those days, just saying, oh, there's some invisible enemy that might make you feel ill is not really going to fly. Whereas if you go, no, it's a reanimated corpse that comes and strangles you if you don't give it its shoes, that's going to really take traction and actually might get get things done do you know what i mean so so the origins of those kind of stories might not even be you know they may be deliberately misleading in order almost like a false flag event to try and get something done and and also as a way of explaining to people that don't want to i don't know they don't want it they don't want to believe that something as mundane as that could do so much damage, yeah. I think. That isn't to mean that people have got superstitions which are uncontrollable in their veracity in their head. It isn't that. It's more that um, there's, they just don't believe there can be a way that this could happen in that way. You know, there couldn't be a rational explanation. Mm. And this is, see, that this sort of um, uh, vampire panic is basically Benjamin Radford, who spent five years investigating 
the Chupacabra and wrote a book called Tracking the Chupacabra. In one paragraph, he says, Chupacabras in popular culture described now, in Radford's view, the legend grew in Puerto Rico from observations by locals of apparent animal predations into rumours of a mysterious creature that was responsible. According to Radford, the news media leapt to conclusions, which in his opinion further drove alleged sightings and reports to the extent that any odd event was attributed to the Chupacabra. So again, back to a kind of mass hysteria. It's a mass hysteria. This is the yeah. explanation. It's reminded me as we're talking a bit like the when we did you did the episode on UFO abductions and that connection with invasion from the other. Do you know what I mean? A metaphor from it for invasion or colonization. Um, it's a similar theory with this, isn't it? It's almost certainly back then. Fear of disease, fear of death, not really understanding why people were suffering and becoming ill with things like plagues. It's almost you have to put a face to it. You have to put something tangible, even if it feels unbelievable. And once you have, woof, the mass hysteria goes. You know what I mean? Completely right. And very interestingly about the Chupacabra... It isn't just people who are down on the ground, you know, witnessing these terrible things happening to their animals that believe believe in it. I say believe in it in the loosest possible term, yeah. um, who who understand something strange is going on. Yeah. There's another group of people who really love the Chupacabra, uh, well, myth stroke legend stroke reality. That is creationists. I really? <laughs> yes. So I found that seems a, strange. The Lost World Museum, which is located in Phoenix, New York, uh, which is a creationist museum, has a supposed chupacabra. Oh, really? Along with a, a, a one-eyed kitten. <laughs> well, it did do. Right. Because in 2017... Um, they did a genetic test result and concluded that the uh, Blanco Texas Chupa, as they had called it, mm. was a mix- mixture of Mexican wolf and coyote and not a new species. Ah. Well, at least they came clean. At least they came clean, yes. But um, uh, they also pointed out that its blue-grey bald skin was not mange, it uh, was a local. It was a uh, it was a natural colouring of that beast. They said, oh, so, oh, but right. they <laughs> on their um, on their website it says to conclude, chupacabras are not the devil. It is merely a predatory mammal with a mange-like disease, but it's not <laughs> do, mange. Do you think that? Do you think the crea- cur- curator was going? That's our biggest draw. What the hell are you doing? Well, I would say yes because um, it's still on the um, still on display. It's, it's still on the front page of that museum's website, right? But it is interesting when you uh, read the pages of Radford's book. He bumps into creationists as well, who are very, very eager for this thing to be real, and I still don't quite understand why, but. I've, yeah, I mean, maybe maybe the only thing I can think of is what you um, mentioned just then. That it's almost a visual represent. Well, a bit like we were talking about earlier, a visual representation of the devil or a demon. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, in my mind, um, the chupacabra looks a little bit like the Tasmanian devil yeah. in um, Warner Brothers yeah, cartoons yeah. or Looney Tunes, whichever one it is, but. 
I think from what I learned, it is it's a weird, wide world. When um, we spoke, uh, as we know, uh, about um, the talking mongoose, yeah, Christopher the author of that book said he thought it would take him six weeks, I think he said, to prove this thing one way or another. Radford took five years delving into the Chupacabra and basically came up with his conclusion that it is uh, largely a mass hysteria type of thing fed by the media and the words blood-sucking monster thing um, have a certain allure to people who love to be able to, mm. you know, live around such a mythology. But he couldn't come up with any evidence. Now, the trouble with that is, of course... You're not proving it either way, are you? You're not proving it either way. And we do know that cattle mutilations continue to happen. And we do know that they are continuing to create a, a, a culture where... People are ever more divided. Know that a wolf did that. How did a wolf core out the rectum of a cow? Well, that's just the freshest part of the kill. You know, there's all of these different things. But what is true, and I think this is the thing where I draw a sort of a direct line, what is happening in the 1970s Brownsville cases in Texas with the cattle being mutilated and the alien lights, which are seen around it, is still happening, as we saw that report from 2023. Linda Moulton Howe's 1979 film Strange Harvest still stands. Mm. I think that might be similar but different to what we're seeing with the Chupacabra case here. And then, like, very recently, you brought it up um, about six weeks ago, that uh, bunch of people who saw, who claimed to have phoned the police and seen aliens in their back garden. Mm, yes, in, in Las Vegas, yeah. Right, and that has caused the stint of other people phoning up the police to say they've got aliens in right. their back garden. Right. That, to me, is very much like the Chupacabra. Right. Um, fear, not, not fear-mongering, but... Um, fear generation because one person has said they've seen it and then if you see something weird in your back garden you assume that that's the same thing yeah a bit like uh the bonnie bridge one i talked about yes the, the flap yes the yes. flap and I'm, I'm not saying that people didn't see weird stuff but then lots of other people started coming forward and seeing weird stuff and you have to go even if you go with it a lot of those are probably misinterpretation i with this so I've got two things going through my head with this. All the way through this, the descriptions, the stories, the way it works, it's so varied. That, do you know what I mean? There seems to be, in terms of appearance, in terms of MO, let's say, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's so different that I wonder if it's a number of different things getting mixed up, whether they be natural occurrences or paranormal. Do you know what I mean? That almost, it they can't all be the same thing. I guess the bit that's sitting with me from a non-sceptical side is this idea of the, the victims in this case, the animals, being drained wholly of blood. So the only way you can counter that is, well, it didn't happen and it, you know what I mean? It's been misreported. Yes. But if it is true, that does raise a huge question if there is no, you know, natural animal that would do that. Yes, that is true. Um, and again, it's, I think it, the finger would be pointed at 
the lack of understanding about what happens to blood in a right. carcass. Once, once death. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when when we take that vampire flap, the um, Peter unpronounceable. When they did eventually take the body out of the grave to put um, an end to his uh, reign of terror once and for all, mm. he was. Uh, it was claimed that he had fresh blood. In his body. in his veins and over his face, but that is a natural part of decomposition. It isn't unusual. Right. But people thought, oh, the reason he's got fresh blood is because he's been drinking fresh blood. Right. And I think we sort of know that anyway. I don't yeah. think I'm saying anything new there. I think people understand so, that about vampires. But do people understand that about dead animals, cows? Yeah, yeah exactly. So, so yes, they they're looking at these animals, going, oh my god, they have been artificially drained of blood without knowing it's a natural process yes yes and without knowing that perhaps the blood has flown to uh, flowed to the bottom of the the carcass or whatever i'm not saying it's either way because one veterinarian says yes it was uh, it was full of blood when i cut the vein there was blood there another said no there was nothing and you do have to trust some of the farmers who would know saying you know it's not like the first time they've come across a dead animal no exactly and it is much easier to, to decide whether your siamese cat has got blood in it or not but we don't it's this really frustrating lack of credible evidence where we can point to something and say yes we test it because it's no good saying there was no blood left you have to sort of say well the weight of the carcass was this and at at when it was alive it should have weighed this it's lost three pounds or something like that there's no sort of scientific rigor applied around these things it's just Sort of verbose hyperbole. Yeah. hyperbole. yeah, yeah. And and back to the blood, you know, I think that's that from the one that you talked about earlier. Hey, we've got samples of the blood. We've worked out this, this and this. And it's like, yeah, but you've not done a DNA test to see what... Yeah. what it, you know, you've just got to be really sceptical of that, haven't you? 100%, yes. Wow. So, chupacabras, I don't know... There's something going on, but I don't think it's necessarily. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a cryptid. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm with you. Unless it, it's a cryptid that gets mixed up with a load of other stuff. That's the thing for me. There's too much going on here. Its appearance is too different. I mean, I guess somebody might argue oh, it's a shapeshifter, but putting that aside. There's too many descriptions of what this thing is. There's too many descriptions of its behaviour which seem inconsistent. Mm. And the people who claim to have evidence have either not done the test that they should have done to kind of prove it or have, or, or, or somehow they're, they're convincing themselves of something that's not true. I, I would say I kind of lean sceptical. If they genuinely a veterinary a experienced farmer or you know somebody else who's got uh, a biological background says well actually some of the victims of these occurrences have been completely drained of blood and that is at least incredibly unusual if not impossible that's what i'd be really interested in yes agreed agreed i think that's um I think that's perfectly valid. I'm sure we're going to get more reports about this that are counterproductive in terms of, um, like, what we see from those tabloid newspapers, this sort of um, 
just in time for Halloween, you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. And and making fun of the whole thing, which doesn't really take us any further. Doesn't help, does it? No, and and it makes it attempts to make fools of the people who have seen something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, we will we will keep an eye on it. But I think at the moment, that is the state of Chupacabra news. Love the Chupacabra news. Well, I have to say, well done, Ben, because I know you've not been feeling well. You, you've been feeling like a mangy coyote. and, oh, and you, so mangy. <laughs> and you've got through it today, so thank you for doing that. Um, and like I said earlier, we, we haven't got any... We have got Tulpa stuff, but we haven't had time to put it together or maybe get back to all of you who've sent stuff in. And we, But we will do that. Not next week, because next week will be a Halloween episode we're really excited about that but the week after we'll we'll get back in shape but yeah it's been a bit of a difficult week this week yes i'm sorry but basically i spent all of this week covered in sweat taking the strongest things it's possible to buy from boots and um like reading up what the symptoms are and what i should expect but um yeah i'm very glad that i got out of it quite lightly i think but um i've just like sometimes when you're that ill you really wish not for all the time but you really wish you could get the over-the-counter drugs you could get in america because the over-the-counter drugs you can get in britain they're getting worse and worse you can't you can't buy um day nurse anymore right that's illegal um so everything is just like oh god there's not very much you can buy that works yeah. For COVID, and of course you can't go anywhere and say you've got COVID. So I've <laughs> I sent my um, uh, tested negative partner in to go and buy some stuff. It's like, what do you want? The strongest yeah, thing they've whatever got. Whatever you got, <laughs> just <laughs> break the whole shelf of it. Bring it yeah, all in. Bring it, bring it all on. Well, um, well, well done for getting through that. And um, yes, we will be back next week with our exciting Halloween episode for an hour weird night at one of the strangest places I think I've ever been to uh, we were at the place called The Swan in Tetsworth which is an antique centre and pub uh, we had our medium Trudy our friend with us who said it's one of the most haunted places she ever has been to so um, looking forward to the Halloween special have a listen on the podcast and uh, if you want to become a patron or are a patron check out the video that will also be there for Halloween. So, um, yeah, so go to patreon.com forward slash TQMPod. Um, and thanks to all of those who've been supporting us. Thank you very much. It really does mean a lot. We will see you next week for Halloween. I'm off to bed. See you later. Bye. Bye. the quantum mechanics.